Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues from dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out. Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. Welcome to Become More Studios. <laughs> Hi, Carmen. How are you guys this morning, Tammy and Scott? I'm doing well, but obviously Scott's not talking. I'm awesome. <laughs> That's a matter of opinion. <laughs> well, you know, let's dig right into it this morning because I was at a class reunion this weekend and I heard on purpose on purpose I had a really good time and she went to school with my husband which is a crack up in a tiny little town here in Iowa she sent me a picture of Michael's graduation like class the class picture because they all actually fit on one plaque (laughs) that's how small the school is (laughs) You know, I haven't been, I haven't lived in this town for 40 years and I didn't grow up there. So it was a little bit, it was eye opening to see the changes and to realize how much had gone on for these classmates together before I was ever on the scene, which was kind of funny, but I had a really lovely time and I connected with some old friends who were really good friends at the time. And I connected with some people that we were in a class of 32. You know these people, you know where they live, but I don't know that I ever had like an intimate conversation with some of them. And I did this weekend and that was really lovely. Mostly we didn't talk about work, but one question came up that I thought, let's talk about this on the leadership line. So the question for Tammy and Scott this morning is, what do you do when you step into a new role and you inherit an underperforming team? So you're about to change the rules on people and they're going to be confused and angry and want to know why everything has to be different and How do you get them past that hump and to move on to being who they need to be? Oh, gosh, Uh, Carmen, this, you know, your scenario plays out over and over and over and over again. And it plays out in small organizations. It plays out in huge organizations. It is kind of a, a universal And it's interesting because one of the phrases that we oftentimes use is evolution or revolution. You know, if you think back to corporate mergers and you think back to any time there's a buyout, oftentimes it's revolution. You go in and you know what? You don't even give these folks a chance. You just wipe the slate clean and you bring in people that will align with you as, quote unquote, the leader or the top of the organization. I used to think that was like really a thing to do. And as I have gotten older and gone through more of those kinds of experiences, I've seen that I kind of understand why people do that. 
because uh, getting turning the boat can be tough. Turning the boat with people who don't are who are paddling in the opposite direction is really really difficult. And honestly, you know, um, let's look at it from both perspectives. Yeah, I lose my job, but I usually get a fairly decent severance package out of that. And I can go and maybe like start fresh and not have to go through this transition that you're talking about. Okay. So sometimes it's actually better for both parties, though it doesn't feel like it in the moment. And I, I totally get that because of course I've been on both sides of this particular equation, but let's talk about the evolution methodology, not the revolution one, the evolution where we actually are keeping the team and trying to turn that boat. Scott, what's been your experience? You're really talking about a change is thrust upon a group of people, whether they expected it or not. So it could be, hey, my previous leader is retired and I knew this was coming. Right. It could be, hey, my my previous leader got a no cake removal and that's a surprise. And Carmen's looking at me like, what do you mean cake? Or Right. So when someone leaves an organization, it's either a cake or no cake event. So if it's a planned retirement, it's a cake event. If it's like, hey, Joe Smith has decided to retire effective today at 4 p.m. That's usually a no cake retirement. Got it. Yeah. In either place, in the end, if, if we look at it from a a leader's responsibility. Leader's responsibility has is really about right first ninety days. If Correct. I come in and I just brush everything and wipe everything, that is likely a little too <laughs> aggressive. A little too <laughs> aggressive. And if you haven't read that book, the first ninety days, and you're transitioning into a new role anywhere, you know what? Stop. Listen learn, talk to people before you make decisions. There's no real reason to go burn the bridges down. I mean, you may want to understand context. And a lot of times new leaders come into these positions and they're trying to make a mark and you can scorch the earth in your mark, or you can take a beat and you can watch listen, learn, talk to folks so that when you do make changes, they're wise. I have no problem with shifting and changing. Status quo is not our gig. However, you know, in this scorched earth place, that oftentimes means that you are doing more harm than you're doing help. So being thoughtful and makes a lot of sense. And taking that time, you have quite a bit of time as a new leader coming in to make your mark. You don't have to do it in the first week. Then it's a piece of understanding what's going on and just talking with people about what's working, what's not working to really assess what do you have to do. And that, that you know, the book, I won't remember all of them, but it's like, are you dealing with a startup? Is it a turnaround? Is it accelerated growth? I mean, there's a number of scenarios to understand what, what do you have to do different? So, And the piece in that too is also understanding not only your team, who your team touches both internally and externally. And that is not something that just happens, even if you're inside the organization already. You have a different perspective when you take a new seat. 
Then I think from an individual perspective, there's a, and I think that's the hardest one because maybe you applied for the job and you didn't get it. Maybe you weren't even considered for whatever reason. And, and yes, the new leader is going to move your cheese. And that piece, like if you are a follower in this particular case and you didn't get it, or one of your friends didn't get it, or one of your friends did get it, which could actually be worse because it was a peer relationship and now it becomes a boss, right? So you have, here's that leader that needs to figure out context and take their time. And then you're oftentimes coming into an individual or group of people who are resentful immediately, like right now, because they disagree with the decision that was made. And they're like, why would you have chosen this particular person? So do you try to win everybody over in that scenario or just let them get with the program? Well, in the end, there is a get with the program line. This is probably one of the biggest mistakes that new leaders make is they don't know how to say that in a way that others can hear them. They don't know when to say that. They don't know when to nudge and they don't know when to have empathy. And that piece of really kind of recognizing, again, scorched earth is easier and faster. Just fire them all or say, I had a guy say, get on the train because the train is leaving the station. And everybody was like, I don't want to be on the damn train. You know, there's all these words that come back to like haunt leaders in this particular case, because this moment is fraught with danger. It really, really is. And so for me, the first conversation is about the transition itself. Scott, is that how you do it? Yeah, I think it's assuming you've done the work and you're not doing scorched earth. Right. It's the conversation around, here's what's working. We need to celebrate that. Here's where we need to go and why. Here's the steps we're going to take that we're going to take. And I don't know that you need to say we're going to get on the train. To me, that's not a public conversation. It's It's a one-on-one conversation. If there appears to be someone who is, doesn't want to be on the train or hasn't punched their chick ticket or whatever analogy you want to use. It's then a conversation with that person about here is the direction we're going. I'd like you with us. And now that person has a choice. Sometimes the leader is going to make the choice for them because they're unwilling or unable. Before those individual conversations, it is the big conversation. It's the conversation that says, guys, this transition has happened. We're going to take a beat. I know that in, in the past, this is kind of, you know, you had a different leader. We did things. We're not going to immediately make huge changes. Let's spend a little time. Let's find out what is working, what is not working. Let's have those conversations, but let's talk about how we're going to work together. And as a group, that leader needs to set new expectations because as a follower, if I had this other boss for any length of time, I probably had that boss figured out. I knew what they liked, what they didn't like. I knew what they meant when they said, hey, that needs to be done on Tuesday. I knew what 
good was for them. I knew what quality was for them. I knew how they wanted me to give, um, to like tell them bad news. I knew how they wanted me to speak up or didn't want me to speak up. And every single boss that way is different. And it is the leader's responsibility when they come into a new group of people to make that plain, to have that be clear, to have there be no questions because followers will do what they have done before because it's worked. And as a leader, don't just assume that they are going to know what you want. You have to actually have those words come out of your mouth to give them a chance to be successful. And I think that big conversation about, guys, how are we going to work together? How are you going to work with me? What are my expectations? Many leaders miss this step. And when you miss this step, followers misstep. And when they misstep, and as a leader, you get angry or ticked off about it, or they see the disappointment on your face, what happens is that relationship doesn't start off on a good step, on a good foundation. And so that thing to me is the biggest piece. And then if folks aren't coming on the journey, then and only then do we start having those one-on-one conversations. But as a leader, I have to set that expectation first. And it's a little bit of, I know, Tammy, I've heard you say this, right? Old ways, new days. Yeah. And just calling out right here. Hey, here is what's different. Here's why it's different. And I don't know that I would use the words different as much as here's the previous process or decision or method. Here's where we're going to. Here's why this will take effect on whatever day. Right. And that piece, old ways, new days. If a leader makes that clear, then what can happen as we're moving forward? And again, the leader's not making huge changes in the first 90 days other than this. And in that particular space, as people are coming along and going to the new ways, I think it's really important that the new leader says, good job. I appreciate that. Thank you. So that they are reinforcing what it is that they want and lightly nudging folks in the right direction when they are off track. We don't need to go to pips. We don't need to be heavy handed. We don't need to embarrass people in public settings. For a little while, we are going to remind and nudge. But that little while cannot last forever. And that little while, there's a person who's making mistakes and and struggling because they're so used to the old ways. And then there are the individuals who are purposely testing you. And that is two different conversations because as a leader, if they are purposely pushing the boundaries, if you let them, it's just like a little kid who learns in the grocery store that if they make a fit when you're checking out to get candy, that they're going to get candy. It becomes really important that as a leader, you're holding the line for those expectations so that they truly understand those things are not negotiable. And that is a really important piece. Otherwise, this change is going to drag on and drag on and drag on. And then you have staff who will not go with you. And if you have staff that won't go with you, you now have a problem because you do have people rowing the boat two different directions. And who are they listening to? The new leader? 
or their coworkers who they've had for a long time. And that causes a division inside of a team. When we're talking about change and underperformers, a lot of times the resistance is a little bit less. We're used to focusing on output instead of focusing on, you know, number of widgets or like there's sort of a like it's a new day and we're concentrating on new things. And and I think you guys have answered that question really well. What do you do about the people who are just kind of whiny about, I used to be gone for two hours at lunch and it wasn't a big deal. Why are you making a big deal out of it now? It used to be okay if I didn't answer email for a week and I can't believe you're micromanaging me to know that, to say that my email has to be answered more quickly or whatever these sort of more behavior-based performance pieces and problems might be for a a new boss. Yeah, no, that's a great differentiation. Yeah, no, the, the behavior piece, Carmen, that you're talking about is a little different. I and. I mean, in, in a second, I'll look your perspective. I think it is different. You know, when you look at those examples of, oh, I used to not answer my email for a week, or I used to go to lunch for two hours. I probably have a weird perspective about this, that if you're being asked to change that, it probably is because you're not getting the outcomes you need to get. And I would say you deserve to have some limits put on you restrictions. Mm -hmm. It's really then saying, is that manager really micromanaging or is that leader working to get the department or the team functioning at an acceptable or a little higher level? In the end, it is a little bit about when you perform at an acceptable level or higher than acceptable level, you get a little more freedom, like a two-hour lunch. If you're leading in the way we would recommend you lead. Um, I think what's different there is the leader's responsibility has to be, why am I putting this restriction on? Is it because I just have a preference or is there some reason why? And if it's, hey, I have a preference, I might recommend as a leader, get over it. Because if it's really not making an impact, I think you have to get over it. If it's making an impact like, oh, I'm not responding to, to customers' emails for, for a week and I'm in customer service, yeah, um, I think you probably better get that fixed. I would say yes to what Scott's saying. And there's, to me, even more about this. This kind of pushback that happens with staff often happens in times of change. And oftentimes they are resisting what their leader is asking them to do because they didn't have to do it before. And in that particular space, that new leader might be a pain in the tuchus or that leader might actually be the leader that the organization needs and is helping the organization get where they can go and be more successful. And you as a follower are going to have a chance to grow. We oftentimes, there is kind of this natural human being resistance to anything that is different. We really like status quo because it's comfortable. It's what we know. 
we are successful in that particular situation. And so, you know, you now are going to come and rock my boat and I don't like it. Or successful enough. Enough. We're talking about an underperforming team here. But reality is no one has maybe even told them that they're underperforming before. Right. Right. Okay. So here they are and they're happy. We call it fat and happy. No one has ever really pushed them to do anything more, to be anything more. And they're looking around and saying, why are you saying now that something's wrong with me? It's been really good for the last five years. No one said anything. And now you want me to do more and be more. The resistance is understandable. But if I'm as a new leader coming in and I'm looking at those folks and saying that they're underperforming and I have set the new expectations. My job, old days, new ways. My job as a leader is to continue to tell them old ways are not going to get you anywhere and, in fact, will be a problem. New days, if you're willing to walk in that direction, you will be successful. But if you're not, that will mean that you will not be here. And That's why I'm willing to nudge them. That's why I'm willing to give them a little bit of time because I know they're holding on to the status quo. But when I say that, it really is a piece that says, I am going to be following up and say, hey, you know, we had a conversation. We talked about what we are looking for. One of the expectations is how you are interacting with the department next door. One of the expectations is how quickly we respond to customer requests. One of the expectations is how quickly you actually complete this task, whatever those things are. And when they're not hitting the mark, I am going to start escalating my conversations with them. A nudge, a reminder, uh, hey, just wanted to make sure that you and I are on the same page. And if I have to go to the third conversation, the third time I was going to say, hey, I know we talked about this. I know we talked about it here. I know I reminded you there. I'm still not seeing this. And I need you to get on the same page with me. The next time I have that conversation, it is going to be a pretty forceful conversation. And the next time I have that conversation in my world, I am going to either go to PIP or to termination. Because they have said, hell no, I don't want to go. And unfortunately, if we are going to be successful as a new team and this underperforming team is needs to move forward, if I allow someone to drag their feet for any length of time, it keeps us from getting there and it spreads the message that that underperforming behavior is acceptable. So I'm going to be honest with you, Carmen. I am going to set those behavioral expectations even more than the performance about the job that they're doing. I'm going to set those behavioral expectations on day one. And by day 90, as a leader, I've made my decision who's staying and who's going. And on day 90, when I've given them 90 days to get in line and to work with me, if they are not, I am moving those people out of the organization. Because if I go to 120 days, 180 days, all I've done is slowed down the process. So I'm going to be very clear in the beginning. I'm going to give them three months to figure it out. I'm going to be having conversations that escalate with them if they're not doing it. 
And at the end of 90 days, I am transitioning my team. And that's not scorched earth. That is 90 days for people to figure out that the old ways need to go away and the new days need to be our future. And if they don't want to go on that journey with me as their new leader, that's a choice. And there are consequences for all of our choices. And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As always, feel free to reach out to us in the emails provided in this podcast description box, and be sure to check out our upcoming episodes always announced on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.